0: 19.
1: All right, welcome to episode 19 of the BobbyCast, and with Preston from Lowcash, which is weird that you're by yourself. And this was kind of an issue for me too. Was like, we don't have two microphones, (laughs) and I wanted to get you guys in, and I was like, I don't have two mic. We can't afford two microphones yet. So it was like, well, do we wait? Who knows when we get another microphone? Like, really? Right. I don't know when they'll pay for another microphone, Uh, or. I'll get Preston in because Chris and Preston, I actually talk to you. Yeah. Semi, we talk every yep. week at least. Yep. And so I was like, well, let's ask Preston. And then if it's not cool, we'll just wait six months until they buy us in the microphone. Right. And so
0: it's weird for me that you're here by yourself in a professional setting. Is it weird for you to be by yeah. yourself? Yeah. You know, Chris and I never do interviews without each other just because we're kind of a unified voice. Right. And uh, that's just how it's always been since day 1 and um you know I, I called chris and i told him the situation and uh he was like dude you know um let's do this Let, it's it's awesome i mean you have been such a a, ch- a life changer for us and it on and off the air you know with your words of encouragement off the air with what you've done with us on radio and, uh, and we just knew that this was one of those situations where if we were going to make an exception, this is the exception. Chris, you're my heart, buddy. You know? <laughs> you're my heart right
1: now. Because Mike and I talked about it, too. It's like, I want to get a mom, but we don't have no microphone.
0: So, uh, Chris, I
1: know you're listening right now. I miss you, buddy. I'll see you in the studio, in the big studio soon. That's right. Uh, okay, so we got a lot of stuff to talk about. First of all, I got a little turned on a minute ago. And, you know, it's just a little personal story. I drove up, and it was like half an hour before mm-hmm. it was supposed to start, and Preston was sitting out in front of the house. I get excited when people are uh, early, yeah. and I was like, I shouldn't, I, I was kind of feeling yeah, it a little bit. That's I, awesome. I pulled up <laughs> beside him, and I was like, what up, dude? He goes, <laughs> just chilling, waiting. I was like, dang, I love early people. Yeah. <laughs> so hopped in the shower after the workout, and uh, it's good to go. Um, you got, yeah, I have so much to talk about, but you have on these shoes right now. Yes. These are gray Nikes, and they're, I'm a shoe guy. Like, I'm a shoe yeah, guy. And yeah. So I noticed them immediately. They're they're great Nikes. They're high tops. There's low yep. cash on the back of them. And I said, are they new or do you just keep up with them very?
0: Okay. So yesterday we went to do a fundraiser for Adam with Adam Jones of uh, the Baltimore Orioles. So we went to Baltimore. We did this tailgate party that he does b- b- like before the Baltimore Ravens football game. And uh, so we get out there. We're having fun and we're, and we're raising money for the Boys and Girls Club in that area. And Adam walks on stage with these two boxes of Air Jordans and we're like, I thought we were going to give them away or something. I was like, all right, here comes a cool giveaway. And he grabs the microphone. He says, around here we do gifts. And I was like, well, that's awesome. We're going to gift these You're to somebody. G- <laughs> and I was like, we're just going to give these away, you know? And then he goes, Preston, Chris, I secretly got your shoe sizes and I want to give you each a pair of Air Jordans and that are low cash, limited edition. And so he gave this to us yesterday. That's awesome. And uh, I just posted a picture of him today. And he had actually taken a picture in Camden Yards with the shoes before he gave them to us, so we would have that picture.
1: See, I didn't even know you were such a sport. I'm a diehard sports fan. Yeah, like I did a national sports show for years on on Fox Sports Radio. So, like, that's my passion. That's music and sports. Yep. And so until recently, and I'm a diehard Cubs fan. Yeah, I am too. Like. My whole life. I was trying
0: to get you to go to games he was. with
1: us. And we'll get to that in a minute. But he's a, ter- a terrible influence, by the way. <laughs> because I go to game four, and I'm there, and Lindsey and I go up, and we're, we're at the game. And Preston's like, we're coming up for game five. He said, if you want to ride home, we'll take you. I said, I can't. Because, yep. one, if they lose, I could not take watching Cleveland celebrate on that field at Wrigley. I couldn't do it. For my psyche, I
0: couldn't do it. So, I caught wind that they weren't going to allow them to celebrate. I don't know if this is true or not, but they were going to get us out of there early and get us back like off the premises just in case they won. But we were on a roll. We were winning that Oh, battle. yeah. I, listen. I don't know if Wrigley could have handled the I don't celebration. Either. I couldn't have handled the celebration, and so, I think people would have been I, yeah. so up. I think that's what it was about. It wasn't anything towards Cleveland. I think it was more towards... I think they just didn't want to rub it in anyone's faces. But the thing is, too, it would have been a disservice to Cleveland for mm-hmm. them not to be able to celebrate wherever they won. And they probably would have allowed them like a semi celebration or something. If I'm
1: Cleveland, I'm, I'm dogpiling. I don't care where it is. Anywhere. It's been since the 40s. Yeah. I'm dogpiling. Yeah. But I personally could not take a Cubs loss. And as much as I appreciate it, and I was like, Preston, I appreciate it so much but we just lost 7 to 2 and i was like i can't
0: i can't i was stay. feeling for you because you're at that game and i'm going oh it's crushing me that 3 run homer was just Dude, i was just like oh no we'll see okay so game 1 we lose game 2 and ML- we act. sing and so we sing the national anthem we're watching the game and they tie it up they win that game so it's 1 to 1 so chris and i are kind of like hey we're kind of joking around we're like maybe we were good luck tonight you know <laughs> so whatever we come home then they lose 3 and 4 and I literally texted Chris. I was like, Chris, the Cubs need us. We've got to go. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, Preston, I've got to be home with my family. I need to do this. I was like, Chris, bring the family. Let's go to Chicago. We need to be there. We're their rabbit's foot. And so he was like, I don't know, man. And so we went. And the next thing you know,
1: we went. You did. You did. So Hendricks won game two, and you were there for that. Uh-huh. But then you saw Lester win game five. Right. So I'll do this, though, because I knew you guys were singing game two, the national anthem in Cleveland. And I was like, that's weird. I know they're Cub fans. How do they get invited to sing in Cleveland?
0: Well, MLB actually invited us. And so uh, MLB handles all of the anthems during, uh, during the series and probably really the playoffs, too. Uh, but they called us, asked us if we would sing. We said yes. And, uh, and I played it very neutral that day because out of respect for— Any fans? Yeah, I'm not going to walk out there wearing Cubs stuff, you know. And so, you know, in my heart, I might have had some Cubbies undies on, but (laughs) (laughs) that's not your heart. I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) So here's a little bit of them doing the national anthem, World Series game, too. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light?
1: I gotta wonder when you're singing this. It's a World Series, and you probably sang it a hundred times. And every time and I talk about this with a lot of artists, because everybody sings the anthem. Yeah. It's that it's an honor to sing it, but there's no win because if you do it perfectly, life goes on next minute, nobody cares. You know, it's over.
0: Yeah. Nice job. If you do it in a bad way, the world is over. And they're waiting for you to mess up some people out there, uh, in the basement of their mom's house on the computer are oh. just waiting. <laughs> you know. But for chris and i it was such an honor i mean there's so much stuff going on with the national anthem right now with the flag with the election with it just in our country period so chris and i were like this is our opportunity to walk out on the field take our hats off put our hands on our hearts and sing this song look directly at that flag and sing it for our country sing it for everybody who's ever died for our country sing it for the usa and uh It was like the most proudest moment of my life. And we just walked out and in the middle of all this stuff that's going on in the news and just sang it, you know. It felt clean. It just felt that way to me too. And I got a text message from my mom uh, right before we walked out. You know, they keep you underground. You're inside the stadium and there's a lot of like energy. You know, the players are walking by and stuff. And so I get this text message from my mom about 10 minutes before we walk out. And she said... I know you guys are probably excited and maybe a little nervous she's like but i'm gonna be standing in front of my tv with my hand on my heart and just walk out there and sing it so i can sing along make me proud and i was like that's it i mean we already sing it traditional but that was just a real clear reminder that you know we were just gonna walk out there and just hand on our hearts and uh uh, there's a lot of lyrics. There's a lot of words in that song that you can easily mess up the gleamings and the streamings and the, you know, all those things and misplace them. But I just knew that if we kind of had tunnel vision and just looked at that flag and just remembered why we were all there, that we would get through it. And, uh, it was a big stage, a lot of, a lot of viewers, but yeah, a lot of viewers, <laughs> You, uh, yeah a lot of viewers game two uh you go the cubs
1: win you sing the national anthem listen that's a nice night not gonna lie
0: it was amazing i tell you um we were walking out of the tunnel and they were like all right in uh like 60 seconds you're gonna be singing so they bring you out right behind home plate you come out the gate and uh i got this uh guitar tuner and i um, that's where I get the key for the song. So I'll show you what this This is my life right before we sing the national anthem every time. So I'm uh, kind of keeping the key because we sing it a cappella. So, oh, I think my volume's down. So I do this over and over. I'm like, mm, and I'm like, okay. And then I start at an octave under that. So I'm like trying to keep that key in my ear. And then I'm like, and they're like 60 seconds. So I pop my ear in, we're ready to go. I've got the key, I'm humming it, you know? I'm like, Nobody let this key go away out of my head. I've got it in my head. We walk out, and somebody walks up and gets in and right in front of us. He says, "Hey," and and his mouth is moving, but I can't hear him. I got my ears popped in, so I was like, "I don't want to take my ears out because I've got the key." Pop my ear out, and they're like, "Hank Aaron wants to meet you guys." Oh, really? And I'm like, Holy cow! Hank Aaron wants to meet us right now. I can't believe this is <laughs> like so cool. And so I let the key go. Oh, obviously, because it's going to be awesome to meet Hank Aaron. So we meet Hank Aaron and Big Poppy from Boston is with him. We take a picture together and they're like, you're 20 seconds from going on. I'm like, "Okay," I'm like trying to hurry. And I'm like, "Uh, here we go again. I'm trying to put my ear back in. And uh, and then they had us walk out. So it all worked out. But looking back on it, I think the Hank Aaron thing kind of took the edge off a little bit and made us forget how nervous we were, and just let us walk out there and do it.
1: For those that aren't sports fans, Hank Aaron, a home run leader before. Uh, babe, Hank, Barry, that order,
0: right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So, but before our day, but we know, if you're a sports fan, you know Hammer and Hank. And I mean, it, and I didn't think we would ever get a chance to meet somebody like Hank Aaron, but then yeah. all of a sudden he's right there.
1: Like, one of the most, one of the coolest moments in sports history that we did not get to see, but we've seen on the internet or TV a hundred times is when he hits the home run that breaks the record. And the guy runs out of the crowd yes. and circles the bases with it's him amazing. and gives, and nobody goes to attack the guy. It was a friendlier time then it
0: was incredible.
1: Imagine if someone broke a record now and is circling the bases and someone comes running from the snipers, crowd. snipers <laughs> take him down, people punch him. But if you, if you don't know sports, look for Hank Aaron's home run when he breaks the record and you'll see a guy start running the bases with him. Yeah. So
0: excited. Okay. So world series, we got you something. We're at the World Series, and we were—they don't sell World Series memorabilia at the World Series. You have to get online to buy it and stuff. But down in our dressing room, they had a few extra little things that were kind of cool. So we got you something. Okay, don't hand it to me yet. Let me finish the
1: story about the World okay. Series before I hand it. Well, we, can, we can We can wrap this part of it with this. But I, so Preston and I find out that we're both diehard Cubs fans. And and here's the thing about Cubs fans. We don't care if bandwagoners come on, because we only care about our hearts. That's like, right. I hope the whole world's a Cubs fan, because I know what I've been through my whole life. So, more the merrier. Right. And the people you see griping about bandwagoners, they're not real Cubs fans, because we just know what we've been through. Yep. And we're happy for our own hearts yep. to be full. We don't care if anybody else enjoys it, We go it back too. to the Bobby Griner days. Dude, it's just you know. from when Lee Smith... Right. For, from, for me, my hero was Mark Grace growing up. Yep. And so I wrote him a book even about him, and he sent a copy back. That's amazing. I'm just a huge sports <laughs> nerd amazing. and a Cubs nerd. And, you know, I like the whole 89 National League East team mm-hmm. that won the East. Like, I, yep. you know, I idolize Grace and Sandberg and Dunstan. It doesn't matter which third baseman you go if it's Vance Law or Matt Holiday or any of those guys. Mm-hmm. Dawson, even I remember Palmero out in the outfield. Even the backup scrubs like Doug DiCenzo or Jerome Walton, Dwight Smith, like all those guys. Dude, Greg Maddox pitching. Dude, Maddox, when, when he won 18, when he won 16, insane. it was insane for back then. People don't know Joe Girardi. Oh, we're nerding out big time <laughs> right now. But Joe Girardi was Damon Berry Hill's backup with the Cubs. Oh, yeah. the, the, the catchers, like Girardi, yeah. it was the backup catcher for the Cubs with Damon Berryhill Hill was the catcher. Anyway, dude, huge Cub fans, all right? So I do not know Preston was either. And one thing a cup fan knows is when they're around another real life cup fan. And so we're talking and I couldn't go to five. And I was like, Oh God, I would love to go to seven. And he's like, we're going to seven. <laughs> and I'm like, like, I'm happy for him in my heart, but I'm like, oh. so he's like, just come with us. I know, right? And I can't... I I literally couldn't because I was doing the CMA red carpet and I was doing it on television. It was killing me. And I couldn't back out. And it was killing me, too. I wish you would have never offered it because it was oh. killing me. <laughs> like, all night... But here's where I got... I didn't get in trouble, but here's what got me, right? So, the CMA red carpet, I did. I couldn't go to the game. But I was like, I'm not staying for the CMAs. Straight home to watch the I game. don't care if it's the 50th anniversary. I don't care if it's the 100th. I yep. don't care if every... Legend that's dead comes back to life, and they have them all. I'm watching the Cubs. Yeah, play in the World it's the 108th
0: series. anniversary yes, of the Cubs. Of a sucking. Right then, that's right.
1: But my girlfriend played at CMA's, and so Ooh. it was. I know. It was. T- I still chose the TV and home.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> and she was cool about it. I think that's awesome. Like in her heart, hey, she's a keeper. Then that's perfect.
1: I, I, my, do you think she's cool about it, really? I think she is. I yeah. think she is too. But here's the thing about women. No, no, I don't have much parents for you because you're married. And I don't know because she seems like a good one, but they always tend to they, they keep score.
0: Man, you know what? I think, well, I know I know her, and, and I know she's sweet in heart, you know? And so I think you're good. Okay. I think you're good to go. I think
1: I'm good, too. Because Some like-
0: girls would be keeping score. But I think you're good to I've go. I've just known her for years. Yeah. It's not
1: like I met her two months ago.
0: Yeah. And she's the Instagram model that I was like, you know, hitting a DM and At, like, all right. right. <laughs> you know? <But laughs> yeah. It's real. And she knows your love for the Cubs is real. And She does because she knows how much I
1: pay for those freaking tickets to right. yeah. game So, Oh, my gosh.
0: Um, I should do
1: this commercial real quick, huh? Yeah. Okay. Let me do this commercial. You ever try Blue Apron? You can say no if, if you haven't. I have no idea okay, what Blue me apron, t- apron is. Blue Tell Apron. Me about it. They send it to your house. It's a box full of ingredients. And so you make your own food at home, but it tells you how to make it, and you make crazy stuff. And good stuff, too. So they send you fresh, high-quality ingredients, and so we get it all the time. It's a box that comes, and everything's pre-portioned, so you don't have to go buy a whole tub of something for a pinch. Right now, less than $10 a meal, Blue Apron delivers these recipes and pre-portioned ingredients. Make the meals at home, home home-cooked meals, and the standards, like they keep their standards, the super high-quality, the suppliers, the farms, the ranchers, the fisheries, So lots of variety. And for me, it's easy because there's a card, and it tells you how to do it. So right now, check out the week's menu. You get your first three meals for free with free shipping, blueapron.com slash bobby, blueapron.com slash bobby. You get three meals for free if you use bobby, blueapron.com slash bobby. They take meals off of this because I can't say it. Yeah. (laughs) I have such an accent because I'm from Arkansas, and I've worked to get rid of a lot of it. I went to college to – I went to speech pathology because when I'm not making fun – like my stepdad will come on and he's on the show. Whenever you hear this, it won't, this podcast gets heard for weeks and weeks at a time. But my stepdad comes on the show and I'm going to do an impression of him, which is how I talked before I went to college. You good today? How's everything going? You, yeah, I was out in the backyard. I was on a, I opened a window and it's cold. So that's how I used to talk. Right. Right. So I still don't say the word meals right, which is how, what, like you eat a meal. A meal. A meal. meal. A meal. A meal. <laughs> so I say meals. And so people were going to BlueEver.com, Bobby Mills, but it was like like the, like my dad worked at my dad worked at a sawmill, yeah. so they were going to like Bobby Mills. Yeah, M I L L S. So they had to change this commercial to just slash Bobby because of the. Speak. That's great. Uh, that's oh, what we're I can't take from Mills being all those things. Yes. <laughs> had, had a board. Okay, Bobby can't say the word Mills, so we got to change it. Um, so do you know, I'm an Arkansas boy. I was from, born in Arkansas. Uh, but about you, 2
0: you, hours south of Little Rock. You were born in Arkansas, but you didn't, but I grow, didn't grow up, grow up, in up there. Arkansas. No, my daddy took a job in Indiana when I was like 2. And so I know all I have is relatives there. I don't really and the hospital's been torn down and uh there's nothing really there. What know.
1: what what part of town is you born in? It's a
0: town called uh Dermot. I know Dermot, yeah. And uh it's still there it, kind of. Kind of. <laughs> kind of, yeah. yeah it's yeah. other kind of. I mean, sort of. But it's um, like Mountain
1: Pine where I grew up. The sawmill's down. It's still there, but kind. Of, it's not the yeah, same. Yeah. Some people just never leave.
0: Yeah. They're just there forever. Eventually, it will go away.
1: Yeah. Sadly. Yeah.
0: Like my town.
1: Wait. I want this present. <laughs> we're, we're okay. Pa- where at the present time? <laughs>
0: I've tried to give this to him like five <laughs> times. This I'm so excited to give. I it feel to you.
1: uncomfortable getting compliments and gifts. I'm just well, telling you the two I do things. Too. Okay.
0: I do too. I hate getting gifts from people, but okay. Um, Here we go. Okay. All right, so they give us they give us these um, these World Series bags. So you're getting one of these bags, these World Series bags. It's a black World Series bag. says
1: 2016 World Series.
0: And this isn't a huge deal, but it is something from the World Series. So we got you an official because they had the balls back there that they were taking out, right? And uh, we got you one of the official World Series balls. Oh, did they put? (laughs) That's cool. I appreciate that. And they're and they're very protected. They keep them in all. They're wrapped like super tight too. Yeah. And it says, open it up. It's pretty cool.
1: I don't want to open it up. I can read it through it because I don't want to okay. open it up. Okay, it's in gold it. writing. Oh, it's in gold writing. I'm now, also cool. I'm if opening this it is, up.
0: Screw it. I'm opening it up. Now, I don't know if this is true or not. So this is what I want to talk about. Is there 108 stitches in a baseball?
1: If that's true, that's weird. I'm not going to count them.
0: <laughs> I heard there's 108 stitches. In a baseball.
1: Uh, you have Google Google out over there. It's a really cool world. They have, I don't know this, They have. it's all gold. Everything on the ball is gold. I appreciate that. Can I have a yeah, box back because I don't get anything on yeah, it? Yeah, there you go. Thank you very much.
0: But these little bags are awesome.
1: Can I tell and, you what the uh, worst is because I actually like this gift. It's like and a little gym bag. This is why I don't like gifts because a lot of times, I'll just talk honestly, I'm a single guy and yeah. I can buy my, myself whatever I want. I work sure. hard, I have a pretty good life except for the whole never having a girlfriend or a relationship or any family for a long yeah. time. You know, I can, buy cra- I can buy all the crap I want. Yeah. So when people get me stuff, I'm always like, oh, it's very- you know, I don't
0: – Yeah. So I don't like to get gifts. I'm- it's tough. I Because
1: I have everything that I, like, want. I know.
0: And I have all the fake, like, faces for when I get a gift I don't even and do everything. that well. I don't-, I don't do it well either, but I'm just like, I oh, my gosh, that. this is so great. That's really cool. But, I, pre- I appreciate that. Well, thanks, man. I- we just wanted you to have something that uh, – from, the- from Game 2, you know? And they had this box of official game balls. And the did officials were coming in. Did you steal one or did in- you ask – we took them. Oh, you stole we <laughs> took them. We took them. That's funny. They they had them all sitting there, and I posted a picture, and I was just being funny. But we posted a picture on Instagram that said, "It takes a lot of balls to sing the national anthem at the World Series game." We laughed, and I was like, "Maybe we should take a couple of these for ourselves," you know. And uh, no one was really counting, and so I was like. Yeah, let's do this. And, and they gave us the bags anyway. So then uh, we cleared it at the end. we were like, okay, well, we're not very good takers. So we were like, um, in our bags, You're we, we have to, yeah, we have these World Series balls. And MLB was like totally fine, totally fine. That's cool. Yeah, they were nice. Let's. Uh, yeah. uh, let, there are 108. Stations. There really are 108. Yeah. Can you believe? I heard that the other day. Yeah. <laughs> so that makes it even
1: more perfect. That's crazy. Okay, so let's play. Let's talk about some music and some live. And what we like to do is we like to start now and kind of work our way all the way back around. So, let's start with the song right here. This is the last song, and it just went number one for you guys. (laughs)
0: That's
1: I Know Somebody, your first ever number one. Never
0: gets tired of hearing that. Now, I gotta, like... Have You You haven't had a number one party yet, like your official? No, okay. nothing. Nothing. I mean, we have like little individual parties every day when we see each other. We're like, we did it. What <laughs> do you we... Do
1: after being? Because t- listen, I know artists who come to town and they're that 0. 0.001% to get lucky immediately. Yeah. And it's like you got right place, right time, everything, boom, you have a number one. Mm-hmm. Then I know artists like you guys that have been grinding it out for a long time. Yeah. When you have finally hit a number one. I mean, do you stay up at 12.01
0: and look and make sure it's official? Do you wake up? Do You get you a- know, the, the race was with Billy Currington, and uh, what a great song he had. I mean, I'm a big fan of that song. So and I it was, was like, already
1: number one, though.
0: It, it, it was already was number, number the one before. the week before. Yeah. And then, so we're neck and neck. And we're so neck and neck that we're losing by a lot going into the final hours. And as the final hours wrap up, we're so close that they called us and said, we can't tell you tonight. We're going to have to reconcile all the spins So it's tomorrow. like the recount. Dude, it was like a total election recount. And I was like, and you know, for low cash, we never get the good end of the stick. Like it just never does. Your last song was number two of all things. I, right. And we're And you're sitting here thinking maybe it's meant to be a number two or something. I don't know. But you're trying to keep your energy right. And you're trying to think, no, we're going to get this. We're going to get this. And the entire industry rallied behind us that night. I mean, other labels. Can i about to reps. say this. I
1: wondered if you knew that because I knew that other labels were calling Radio mm-hmm. stations. And this is how weird this is. You, you don't, let me say this because I don't want you saying say anything that's going to put anything weird. Yeah. So let me, say what, let me tell you what, what I heard happen. Okay. So there was – fir- at first there were three songs that they were, trying to, that were going for number one that week. It ended up being a two-horse race. And Billy Carrington, it don't hurt like it used to, which by the way, is a fantastic song and was number one already. And so here it goes, it's going down to the last hour and they're pushing for a second week and everybody didn't know that we going to push for a second week. It was kind of a last thing. Yeah. And you know, I, if you follow protocol, you don't do that usually. Now I'm a guy that says you shouldn't follow protocol. Like You should just go balls out, and everybody should just fight for number one every week. That's not how this format works, and I think that's a crappy part of this. That's why I say don't say anything. Let me just handle this controversial subject. Um, I think it's a crap. I think pop radio has the right idea. If there's a song that's good enough to be number one for seven weeks, it should be freaking number one for seven weeks. Country radio at times is a piece of crap because all they do is go, we'll make a deal. You're number one here. We're going to let you have number one here. And that's (laughs) stupid. It's really stupid, and it's really a bad part of our format. That in of the best format by the way, because the people are the best, but that's a really bad part of it. So that being said, Belly Crunch all of a sudden is going for a second week at number one. And I'm like, Huh. Like I'm and I'm pulling for you guys hard. Thanks. And so then I start to get texts and calls going, Hey, there are other labels, other record labels that have nothing to do with low cash. No investment in low cash. And they're calling radio stations going, You gotta spend low cash. You gotta play this song. And I'm like I'm like, I've never heard of this before. Like this is the cra this is like the Cubs coming back
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: from 3-1, a second series in a row, yeah. and winning the whole thing. In
0: extra innings
1: So I called, with a rain delay. I called my boss and said, where is this low-cash song? Because I hear, and he is not acknowledging anything. He's like, listen, I don't know what's happening right now. I don't know if he did or didn't, but he's like, I don't know what's happening right now. As he said, but there's no answer. He said, I, no don't know, I don't know who the number one song is. No one did. Because I wanted to go on and tweet. And you know what? I texted you, too. And I texted you so vaguely. I know. And I was like, dude, you the man. Because I knew it was I, at that I I just knew it was at number one at that point. Ugh. And he, went, he, re, he responded, hey, thanks. <laughs> and I didn't want to even say congrats on the number one in case more, more song tracks oh kept coming gosh. in. Oh, my gosh.
0: We were so nervous, man. So you finally hear it, though. Where do you hear that you're number so, one? So we were in Baltimore, Chris's hometown when we're pushing for number 1 that night and somebody walked out on stage and said low cash just hit number 1 and i was like did we you were so on stage we weren't we had just finished okay. we got off stage and i think little big town was getting ready to go on stage and the radio personality walks on stage and says low cash just hit number 1 but what they did i mean we did hit number 1 but it would flip flop back and forth so the news they got was accurate, it was but not flip, accurate in not five minutes. Yeah, it yeah. was going to keep flipping and flopping all night long, and so and you got to go by West Coast time. So it's going to go till
1: because they you had know, the last say.
0: Yep, midnight. Their midnight West Coast. isn't until three o'clock. E- yes, Eastern. Yep, and so we're like, ah, oh. so we're in Baltimore. We're sort of starting to hug, but we're not sure yet. We don't want to jinx it, so. We talked to the record label that night, and they said, we can't give you any kind of a confirmation. We're going to have to wait till in the morning because they reconcile these spins. And each label has a ch- has like two hours to reconcile. Find lost spins, miss spins kind of thing, lost votes kind of thing. And so I finally just went to sleep, and uh, I had my wife and my kid with me, and Chris had his wife and his two kids with him. And uh, we're staying at like a Holiday Inn or whatever. We're just waiting. And about nine o'clock in the morning, we get a phone call. And the label is like, Can we get on Three Way? Real serious voice. And I was like, Oh, boy. Here comes Disappointment. the news. Here we go. We got number two, you know? And, uh, and so I get Chris on the phone. And Gator's our, uh, Gator Michaels is the head of our radio team. And he says, he says Guys, after the reconciliation came in, you got number one. Oh my god. And I mean, I, I just lost it, man. I, lo- I was with my wife and my kid, and my daughter's 10 months old. And, like, that's the first real hug I think I ever, like, felt her give me. And she just knew, you know? It was awesome. Yeah. Okay, let me ask you this. Let's go back a
1: step, and let's go over to I Love This Life, because this song hit two, and. The weird thing about this, man, it was such a long process because, and I don't want to go through the hole where you're like, oh, thank you, thank you,
0: thank you. You're welcome.
1: Okay? And I didn't even do it. I didn't even know you guys. I didn't even do it because I was like pressing, these are my boys. I did it because of such a positive song. It
0: was insane what you did, though. Okay. It was incredible.
1: Blah, blah, blah. I played the song. Then everybody got, this is the, the key. I get too much credit for breaking artists and songs because all I do is go, hey, everybody, look at this. That's what I do. I don't make them number one. I just take them and go, hey, everybody, please pay attention to something that I think is good. I don't, well, ma- I don't
0: write the song. I don't write the song. I don't do anything. I just say, everybody, please pay attention. But your voice is so big, and your voice is so – and when I say big, I mean it reaches so many people. And and that's what – you know, Chris and I have just been out there grinding, like you said. Just, you know, like we felt like we never had a fair shot at radio. We just felt like we never did, and and that's what – kept us going, we could wake up in the morning and say, hey, we haven't had a fair shot. If we get a fair shot at radio and it doesn't work, we can walk away and say, we gave it our best and we had our best shot, but we just never did. And then all of a sudden one morning, I'm laying in the bus and I'm asleep and it's like, I don't know, maybe seven o'clock, eight o'clock in the morning and Chris runs on the bus, throws open the curtain to my bunk, shakes me and says, P, you got to wake up. And I seriously thought something really bad had happened. I thought somebody got hurt. I didn't know. You know, you wake up scared yeah. to death. I sat up, hit my head on the bunk ahead of me. You know, I'm like, boom. And I'm like, what's going on? He goes, I think Bobby Bones just played I Love This Life. It was, and like you said, it was just honestly like one of those things. We had never talked before. And, here, and all of a sudden, in all of America, I Love This Life is on the air. And it was just like that moment. It was like VH1 behind the music. It was like boom. <laughs> it just changed
1: for me. I heard it and I was like, "Man, this is such a positive song." And then it's also got to be good. Like there are two levels to it. Like I, I, I don't have to like the message. The message has to resonate. Yeah, it is, there are songs that I'm just like, "Man, that's a, kind of a gross message." But but it's a gross messages are part of life. Sure. And, and does this, you know does, does it resonate? And then is it a good song? And I was like, yeah. "This is a good song," and nobody's playing it, and it's a positive song. So I threw in the dance party, and then I kept playing it. And then just other people, it just opened eyes. Like, I didn't do anything except— I
0: mean, open the world's eyes. It and,
1: just, and then you guys are on a small label. It's not like you guys have a
0: million-dollar budget
1: to go out and promote all this everywhere. And pay.
0: I've never seen a tiny little team scramble like they did <laughs> that morning. I mean, That's funny. Phones were ringing, everybody. And then all of a sudden they were like, I think Bobby wants you to call into the show. And we were like— because what? it had
1: climbed so much on the on iTunes, that's and we're why. Try, and
0: we're trying not to like sound too crazy, like we're like screaming, and then we're like, okay, we gotta play it cool, man. We're about to be on Bobby Bones show. <laughs> we're like trying to get that's it together. That's so weird
1: to hear you say that, knucklehead buddies. It's so weird oh, to even think that was in your head at I mean, some
0: point. We were in Augusta, Georgia. I know right where the bus was parked. I'll never forget it. And so we're sitting there on my phone on speakerphone, and you're like, guys, you're live on Bobby Bones show, so don't cuss, don't say anything crazy. And I'm like it's I just the even morning i have to
1: say that because in the morning most artists it's not time to wake
0: up yet and in that moment we just want to yell all kinds of words we're just going <laughs> crazy and i'm like this is wild so glad you said that and so um and the phone call was over and i'm like chris and i are looking I'm like did we, did we talk i don't know if we did we just talk on the air i don't know if we did did we and did we say the right things i don't even know we're like hugging and high-fiving and That was just the beginning. I mean, my
1: only point of that whole call, too, because I remember going, Hey, see if we can get those guys on the phone. Yeah. Like, find their number. At the point, this guy, the only time we had ever spoken, you may not remember this, because I have a story about when we first met, too, but the only time we'd ever spoken is when I first moved to Nashville. We did an Oklahoma City uh, relief. And you called into the show when you guys were still low cash cowboys and you were like, Hey, we want to donate the guitar. And I was like, who the crap is honestly I was like who the crap is low cash cowboys (laughs) and who's going to bid on this guitar. But they, you know, thank you for sending the guitar. That's the, so I was like, Hey, get them on the phone because I want to see like how they feel about this song. Like, like what did they write it? I don't think about it. I didn't Wikipedia or anything. They write it. What's the message? It's climbing up the charts right now. Do they know this? Like, do they know that people now like their had song? I had no idea.
0: It was just happening so fast.
1: It was so cool. And then we watched it. And then I remember you guys, someone called and goes, hey, Locash is going to sing about you on a CMT commercial. And I was like, I don't know what this means. <laughs> so all of a sudden on CMT, it was like, hey, Locash, you got a new song called I Love This Life. And it's like, you know, and I love the Bobby Bones show. And I'm yeah. like, whoa, 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 what's happening right now? Yeah. And we still yeah. hadn't met. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I didn't even know what you look like. At this, at this point in my life, I had no, I was just like, <laughs> it's a great song. It's a great message. That's what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. Keep playing it. Didn't know what you look like. Didn't, I can't get too invested.
0: Yeah. Especially oh, early. Like totally. I can't. Mm-hmm.
1: And so I didn't even look, I didn't look you guys up. So I'm walking, and I don't know if I told you this, but I'm walking, oh, maybe it was CRS. At Omni. At the Omni Hotel. And this guy comes up to me. And he's a little bit emotional. And I'm like, somebody's going to stab me or give me a big old hug. <laughs> this I, is it. I don't know what it's going to be. But <laughs> something's And Nada was with me. We were going in. And yep. he goes, dude, I just want to thank you. And I'm like, I wonder like, what, what charity. I mean, yeah. really, this is what I'm thinking. Did I pay his bill? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, did I am pay I his word, bill? Am yeah, I,
0: yeah. And my words probably weren't coming out, right? Because I'm <laughs> emotional. And that's when I, it was the
1: first time we had met. Yeah. And you were like, "I'm um, Preston from Low Cash," and I was like, "Oh, dude, congratulations! You know, it's really great to see." And you were like, "Dude," and it was just a really cool
0: moment dude, for me. I'm pulling this bag; my bag falls over, hits like somebody. You know, it, it's a total train wreck. But I have to get to Bobby and thank him. And I'm, I'm like. No matter what, I got to catch him before he gets on that escalator. That's right when we're he about goes to walk. Up.
1: Yeah, we're about to walk on the yeah. escalator. When he
0: goes up, it's over. He's going to be busy and I'll never catch him. And then I'll really look like a stalker flying up these <laughs> esc- <laughs> Who's He's the guy running, running up the running opposite up? side of the <laughs>
1: escalator? <laughs> that was a really cool so, moment for me because well, it thanks, was so man.
0: freaking organic. I'm glad because once again, I walked away. I was like, did I just freak Bobby out? I don't know because I just wanted to say thanks. Like, I happened to walk,
1: there was nothing planned about it. No. I just I- happened to walk in. You were right there. I didn't know who the heck you were. And then I was like oh. – and I walked up, and I was like, that was really cool. Like, that was really cool. And that was one of those moments where I'm like, this is why I do this. And
0: sometimes you don't want to interrupt somebody, and that's how I was feeling. I was like, he's on his way towards something, a meeting the show or something. And I didn't know if I sh- uh, you know, should even run up and interrupt, but I was like, I have to because this is the guy that, that turned America onto us on to us on the air. And I was like, no matter what – this comes off like, no matter if my bag falls over and I'm a train wreck, <laughs> I got to go over there and say thank you. Well, and that was, you know.
1: I, uh, I, I,
0: so let's go to the
1: song. So it it hits at number two. Before this song, what was your highest charting song?
0: Uh, well, we ha- we were on a record label called Stroud of various years ago, like uh, uh, 08, 09, 2010, right in there. And we had a song called Keep in Mind that got to number 32, I think. And the record label... That's it. That's the song. What a great song.
1: So keep in mind...
0: So this song, finish your story, I just wanted to play it while you were telling it. Jeffrey Steele and Shane Minor wrote that song. Jeffrey Steele was, a, and still is, a huge like mentor, big brother, everything to us. And he believed when nobody did way back in 08, you know, and uh, took us to his studio and we started writing songs together. And he just kept telling us through all the highs and the lows, you gotta keep writing songs no matter what. Just keep writing throughout all the good, throughout all the bad. And, and your, and your little diamonds will be at the end of that, you know, you'll have this little pile of songs. Some of them will suck, you know, like a lot of them will suck, but there'll be this little handful of songs that will be special and real, and they'll be the ones. And so, uh, one day we were at his studio and we overheard him say that, uh, Rascal Flats might be recording. Keep in mind. And we just looked at him and we said, nobody's ever given us a song like this or giving us a shot to record it, and we feel like we could record this. Will you give it to us? And he kept it, and took it off hold from all the other artists and let us record it. I mean, that's a number one for anybody, a multi-week number one for anybody. But for Low Cash uh, and this little label we were on, it was a shot. It was a a chance. And it got us to 32. And um, it could have went a lot higher, but the record label closed at 32. And while we had a bullet, and we're going up the charts The record label shut down for other budgeting reasons, and we got left hanging right there at 32.
1: So 32 was your highest to that point. Ever. And so
0: once I Love This Life hit top 20, is that a celebration? Oh my gosh. Everything was a celebration, like 40 was. (laughs) And I tell you what, when, I tell you what was a a real celebration for us, we were going down the highway and, uh, and Gator Michaels was driving the car and he looked back and he says, hey guys your song just went to 31. Oh,
1: you just, beat and for 32. me, that yeah. was
0: that moment. That was that threshold. And it was like, okay, it's a new world. It's a new shot at 30 and then 25 and then 20. And like you said, you know, it's a celebration at every tier you're like, okay, the new goal is, you know, 19 and then 15 and then 10. And all bets are off at 10. I mean, it's like NASCAR. All these cars are just zooming as fast as they can. They've all made pit stops. And, and, And when I say cars, I mean songs, but here we, here you are in the top 10 and you're up there with people like Luke Bryan and Kenny Chesney and it is legit. It's real. And everybody's gunning for that number one slot and you don't know what's going to happen. You're just like praying.
1: So whenever it doesn't hit number one
0: and it's at two, Mm -hmm. is there a disappointment there? Um, I think there was a disappointment Die Die Happy Man just didn't die quick enough. Dude, that, (laughs) you got the timing It was awful. The song of the year
1: was out at the same time.
0: And we were number one on Monday. And then he moved in it on Tuesday and never left for like weeks. And we stayed at number two the entire time, which is a huge success for us to just remain right there with him. But we couldn't overtake him. It was a powerful song. It was the song of the year. It was amazing. And so at the CMAs, which we didn't watch because we were watching the game.
1: It was the one. Yeah. But here's the thing, and this is you funny. Is you talk about too. I was reading this story about Olympians when they win medals. And so I'm really into the psychology of sports as well. Yeah. The gold medal people are always happy, or they're not. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. For, me, for me, I don't like to win. I just hate losing. So I'm, mm-hmm. a, I'm a nutcase anyway. But what they found was the gold medal winners were happy. The silver medal people were very unhappy. And the bronze medal people were super happy. and now here's why. the gold medal people won. The yeah. silver medal people felt like I was so close to winning, oh. that I should have won if I would have just worked harder, yeah. so they didn't have that in their heart of like what I did. And the bronze was like, "Man, I'm happy to be here. Mm-hmm. Like I, I wasn't going to finish first. Yeah. And so just being on the stand is an honor. And they found that it was gold, bronze, silver, in that order.
0: In happiness, of, in, yeah.
1: In happiness.
0: I mean, in, that, in our world, that's kind of like top five, two, and one. Yeah, like, I can see how somebody would achieve a top five and say, we did it, top five, and we roll out. But for us, we got so close. I mean, it was right there. And But you know what? I Love This Life feels like a number one song to me. It's the most powerful song in our set every night to this day. When we go out and we sing... Uh, I mean, it's the last song of the show every night. There's no other place for "I Love This Life" to sit because it's the one that you know that introduced us to America, as well as it still has this thing that changes people's day. Like it's, well, it's just a smile uplifting. song. No, yeah. no really, it's just, that's how I just dis- like it makes you smile. Hands go up. Yep. smiles come over their faces, and uh, and we leave the stage feeling like we've you know you know, kind of gave him a really positive message. Who'd you write that song with? Chris Jansen. I knew the answer. Yep. But that, that and, was like my uh, and Danny dear. Myrick was there. And I'll tell you what, we were trying to write an anthem for Garth. We heard he was cutting. We we're like, let's write an anthem for Garth. What would Garth say? And we we're like, he'd get out there with a fist and, and be like, I love this life, you know? And so we started, we made a laundry list of all the things we loved. And we we're like, let's keep this simple. Let's just not even think about this. What are the things we love? And we just made a list. And then we sort of formulated it into verses and named it "I Love This Life." And we were like, "How did simple f- is that?" When you
1: finished, okay. So I know a lot of p- artists were writing for Garth at the time when he was, Pinedo, yeah. It was like he was taking emails. Mm-hmm. Like you just take the song and you and get send, it, it, you right send it to him, and they would listen to everything. Yep. So did you were you disappointed that Garth didn't?
0: Yeah, at first I was like, dang. I thought maybe we had something yeah. here, and the, and we were already doing it live. And Chris and I take songs onto the stage and just sing them just to see what the reaction is like. And uh, we were watching every night and the crowds were like already going crazy. They've never even heard it on the radio and their hands are up. They're feeling good. And our tour manager was like, I'm telling you guys, there's something special about this song. And I kind of blow it off and go to the bus. So I was kind of disappointed when I heard that Garth, you know, um, didn't cut it. And I don't even know if he really heard it. Who knows? But another artist... Uh, supposedly had it on hold, and it was on a strong hold. And, um, you know, as songwriters, we were all banking on that to be good for us. We were all like, that could be good for us. We all get a paycheck. And so when we got our record, we didn't have a record deal. And so when we got a record deal, all of a sudden, the record label says, we want to make I Love This Life the single. And we were like, Chris kind of looks at me, and he's like, maybe you should take it off hold. And I was like, Is that
1: bad form or no?
0: Well, it, uh, if it's going to be for another artist, it's probably bad form. But maybe with a shot for us as the songwriters. Yeah, okay, I it's got a it. So different. if you were going
1: to take it off hold from artist A to give it to artist B, that's probably that's not bad cool. form. Yeah, If that's you're not taking cool. it off hold for yourself when you wrote it because you have a new project, that's a little more acceptable. That's a
0: little different because now it's like, wait a minute. We sort of have the trump card on a, on a song that we write. And. So when we, you know, we had to call Jansen, we had to call Danny and say, guys, I think we're going to keep the song for ourselves. Which a bit
1: for them has got to be disappointing. Yeah. yeah you never know. They because, want a big
0: artist to have it. Because, right. Listen, just playing here.
1: just going to be me for a second. <laughs> like, I want low cash cutting a song that a big artist can cut at the time. You know,
0: would you? Yeah. I mean, I've been there. I yeah. mean, it's like, oh gosh, what do we do? But you know, man, Jansen is one of our brothers. He's like, he's our best friend in music. And uh, those guys, after, after we talked it out, everybody understood we just wanted a shot. And so we all kind of rolled with it. And I think everyone sent sending up big prayers and crossing fingers and toes. And uh, now you look back on it and you're like, wow, what a great decision we all made. That's awesome, uh, dude. Yeah, Dude,
1: here you are praying the Garth. Pre- you know, wise man once said, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered an prayers.
0: I love it. That's great.
1: <laughs> and guard said that too. <laughs> all right. So I love this life goes to number two. It puts you... By the way, I'll say this now. With I Love This Life and I Know Somebody, you guys are now real players in the game. With one song, you're not a real player. You're, okay, cool, they had a song. Right. With two songs in a row, yeah. you automatically get that third. Everybody gives you the benefit of the doubt on right. the third song. Just don't make the third song suck yet. You yeah. know what I mean? That's the goal. But the, the, the At first, make the first song amazing. Yeah. That's what the plan is. On the second song is, okay, cool. We got a little inch. Let's follow it up. Mm-hmm. The third one is, we're going to get the benefit of the doubt. Just don't suck. Right. Do you feel that?
0: A hundred percent I feel that. Yeah. And it's like, just don't mess this up. This is the moment. And, you know, everybody, I feel like we have a really um, solid album. We're getting a lot of feedback on different songs. People are like, I think this should be your third single. I oh, I screwed you guys single. too
1: about playing a different song. I shouldn't have played it. Hey,
0: I don't even care what you play I like- because I'm all about – I I love it that you went deep into the album and found a cut that is important to us. That song's so important to us. And who knows? You may have willed it into being a single eventually. Who knows?
1: The one that I played before we played the next single, I heard this song. Oh, no, no. Before I heard it, I just was looking at the tracks. And I was like, God loves (laughs) me more? I don't even know what this is, but I have to hear the song because I don't know. My mind as a creative goes, okay, how would I make this a song? And what's the, what's the angle? I know, right? What's the angle of God Loves Me More? Because it sounds like the most arrogant song Horrible. I've ever heard in my life. It sounds, I know. Like a, it sounds like a terrible song. And it makes you listen. Yes. And so I go and I listen to the song, right? And so it's called God Loves Me More. God loves me more than he
0: loves you because he gave me an angel to hold on to. And I'm like, I got it. Oh! <laughs> Me more than he loves you.
1: now i'm gonna tell you this and i haven't said this on the air and i won't say it on the air because it'll put everybody in a weird place but i took the song and i and the head of iHeart country the biggest company and the biggest format is the guy that was the guy who moved me to nashville yeah my, like is my number one yeah. like friend confidant he punches me in the face he congratulates mm-hmm. me um, and I sent him this song, and I was like, "Dude, this is song of the year. Like, if Dude, it's ever, you, if it's man. ever a single,
0: it's this is song of the year potential." I mean, it feels like but, I'm, I remember sitting in the back of the bus with Matt Alderman, uh, Phil Barton. You who, know, who Phil. I wrote, yeah. Phil,
1: Eric Passley, and I wrote yeah. "When I Grow
0: Up" number yeah. one kids song together. Yeah. yeah. He's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so it's Phil, Matt, Chris, and me. And we're sitting in the back of the bus, and I'll never forget uh, Matt Alderman had the idea, and he goes, "Guys." I got this idea, and he's just, he's a big old country boy, you know, he's holding his guitar, and he says, it's called God Loves Me More Than You, and I was like, just like you, I was like, just stunned that he even said this, <laughs> and so before I said yes or no, uh, and I just said, okay, sing, sing how this should go. And he kind of had this twist that God loves me more than you because he gave me an angel to hold on to. And that's all he kind of had. And that's I was like,
1: you needed, dude. oh,
0: boy, this, is, this could be amazing. And so, and so then we just backed up and said, it's a redneck love song. It's a country boy who has no other way to say it but just like this. And so we just started, you know, I drink too much. You know, I fight, I cuss. That kind of thing. And, and it worked. And it,
1: I played it on the air. And it went to like number forty on iTunes after uh, one play. Amazing. Just one play. Yes, I was a, calling
0: everybody. I was like, "New single, guys, let's
1: go." <laughs> I I felt bad that I played it because I didn't know what the new single was, and I was just like, "Guys, I heard this low cash song, and you have you have to just hear it. You know, it's just that good." And I played it, and I talked to, he, I guess he owns your label, runs your okay. label. Uh, David, tall ta- guy, girl, yeah, kinda David. Mm-hmm. He was like, "Hey," and I was walking out of the uh, C- uh, the, um, what's that stupid word. CMA's. Yeah, I was walking out of the. Um, at the interviews from that day, and he was like, hey, God loves me more. It went up like 5,000% when you play. I was like, dude, it's a good song. I didn't write it. I didn't sing it. I did nothing except go, hey, everybody, check this out. It already
0: exists. I mean, I love the song so much. I, it could be the single right now, and I'd be fine with that. But the um, single
1: right now is Ring on Every Finger, which I have to admit, never heard it. Like As I'm about to play it, I've never heard it. You've
0: never heard it? Never heard it. First
1: time? For, I've never heard one note from the song because here we go now now this this isn't going to count because it's not the right environment i have my environment to hear songs this is not the right environment okay but i've
0: never so here's a little something about ring on every finger a little backstory um thomas rett wrote it uh with josh keir and uh, jesse frazier his team and uh, they write great songs and we got pitched this song after he had cut his album so i don't think he had it done in time for his album we heard it and we were like this is Amazing. So the guy that beats you at number one. <laughs> right. <laughs> would Die Happy Man. We just talked about it. Has, too.
1: has now given you a song that's going to be a This whole world is weird. his dad
0: wrote, I know somebody.
1: R- yeah, that's right. Rhett wrote, I Rhett, know somebody.
0: Yeah. So we're all excited going, is this going to be a true story? I mean, this is crazy, you know? Dude, this is like a freaking lifetime original <laughs> <I know. laughs> CMT
1: I know. combination. All right, here we go. Ring. This is the hook, Mike. So I'm not gonna get the full effect, which doesn't matter. Okay. This is a ring on every finger. This is the new low cash single. I'll put- Well, that's a cool I like that boom, Thanks. Boom, just, just yeah. m- melodically speaking. Yeah. Because I'll need to hear the whole song.
0: And it's got the Thomas Rhett energy. For sure. I can hear the Thomas so Rhett fun. energy in there. Yeah. But the doo, 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 yeah. doo, that's
1: cool. Yeah. Uh, so okay, that's the new single now. Don't know a lot about it, so I'm not gonna talk a lot about it. So that's the new single. I'm sure we'll be talking about that a lot yeah. in the future. Yeah. Let's let's go back. So I wanna go back to whenever people that have been around town a long time talk about you guys, and I'm talking about long timers. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know, you know what Preston used to do? He used to teach dance classes. <laughs> and I'm like, he did. I didn't know this. I'm like, Preston used to teach dance awesome. classes? That's great, yeah. And then yeah. he was like, yeah, we would go, he'd teach, like, was it? Did you teach line dancing? At the Wild Horse.
0: Really? Yep, yeah. yeah. so when I first moved to town, uh, I heard that everybody would hang out at the Wild Horse. And so I was like, I didn't know anything about Nashville, so I went down to 2nd Avenue, went to the Wild Horse, walked in, and it's kind of buzzing, you know, it's is. 2002. I'm in there. The, the buzz is, you know, rocking. There's people dancing. There's lights. It's a big, big nightclub. And I look over and the DJ hanging out, you know, having fun. He's got some girls in the DJ booth. He's having fun. Hands up. It's Chris. Really? It's Chris. So I walk over Your there. Your
1: partner. That's crazy. Right?
0: So I walk over to the DJ booth and I'm like, it looks like you got a cool job, That's dude. how you met him? And that's where we met. And he goes... He goes, yeah, uh, what are you doing in town? He's like, you seem like a new guy around here. I said, yeah, man, I just moved here. I don't even have a job. And he's like, well, first things first, you're going to need a job. And I was like, really? Because I saved a little bit of money, and I'm just going to songwrite every day, so focused on songwriting. he goes, you're going to need a job, dude. It takes longer than, than what you think. And so I was like, okay. So he says, why don't you work here? He says you have any dancing like background you could teach line dancing here. It's a fun job, pays well. You have any dancing background? Yeah. So, so Chris and I both have dancing backgrounds. So, um, like Viacom and like VH1 and MTV would fly us to New York City and have us do like hip hop clinics and all kinds of stuff. Where did you I mean, learn
1: to dance? Because it sounds you like know, it was,
0: you've been trained to dance. I never had a dance lesson in my life. Okay. But um, dancing is just You're one like of those me. things.
1: You just break it down. all right? Yeah, I mean, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> throw some cardboard down with a boom box, man. We're good to go. So no and dance
1: lessons, but you were really that never. good
0: that you would go dance? Well, Chris, and Chris was the same way. Coming from Baltimore, he had break dancing. And so the two of us hit it off. We're like, wait a minute. We both like can dance and freestyle and have fun and and. We come from the same background. We we listen to the same music growing up, and so we started working together. And they had two microphones, and so I would DJ, and he would walk out and and like be an MC and welcome everybody to the Wild Horse. There'd be like three thousand people in there, and be like, "Hey, everybody!" And I'd be playing background music on this on this machine called the Instant Replay. So I'm like dropping like Magnum Pi music or whatever, like dun 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 dun. And Chris is out there talking, and it's this show, two man show. And then the next break, I would go out with a mic and Chris would be the DJ and he would put on, you know, like the music to Three's Company and I'd go walking out and we had this little thing going. And then one day we got bored and we were like, you know what? There's two mics and let's just press play on the instant replay and then we'll just walk out together and we'll just start, you know, hosting together. So we walked out together and the jokes got funnier and the timing got better and we started picking on people in the crowd. And then one of us would save the person the other one was picking on. You know, we kind of had this little team thing going. And it was a lot like, uh, almost like a Rat Pack kind of comedy. It was just Sounds fun like, and like clean. Like Redneck Abbott and Costello. Right, it was like the Smothers <laughs> Brothers. Yeah, yeah. So we'd go out and just have a good time. And then we would teach a, a line dance lesson at the end of the night. And people would learn a line dance lesson. And we would make the line dances because we came from like hip-hop breakdancing we would make the line dances a little extra cool so you weren't doing the old, you know, the old school thing. Just give it a fresh edge. And so it worked, and the numbers started growing, and the wild horse was just exploding. And then we made 8 by 10s with, like, two of guys what? on the ve- Of a picture of us.
1: A- oh, just a sign, like a picture thing. Just the, like got
0: a headshot with two guys on it, the guys from the wild horse. So we gave... The merchandise store, the pictures. What was the name on the bottom of the? Chris and Preston. Okay. I mean, that's all we had. We didn't have nothing else. Like, you couldn't come up with anything, right? like The CP boys, anything <laughs> except
1: Chris and Preston. Okay. I know. Go
0: ahead. And so, <laughs> and then at one point, we were like, we should call ourselves Nash Vegas. And because at the time, that was like the term around here. And they were like, no, that's kind of dumb. And so we didn't do it. So we just went with Chris and Preston and we gave the merchandise store this 8x10 and, uh, they sold out. And we are like, well, that's kind of cool. And so we ordered more pictures. And then we were like, I wonder if, like, we were already starting to songwrite with people in town. Because we knew we wanted to be a duo. But, you know, you kind of got to learn. And so we were writing with people and stuff. And we wrote the song and uh, called Unordinary Day. Nobody's probably ever heard it. And so we take this song. We write the song and we record it. We demo it like over on Demo Hill, you know. So we demo the song and we burn CDs on our MacBook, on our laptop in the DJ booth, and we're selling them. We make up a line dance to it (laughs) and we're like, Dude, I think we could sell these for like four oh, ninety nine each. You made up your own line dance to see that's what I'm talking about. That's how you do it. We made up our own dance to our own song. You did Goodwill hunting of Nashville. You created your dude, own to, to make the your- line was out the door for these CDs. I couldn't burn them fast enough. I would like pop a CD in and then it would be like, in thirty seconds, your CD is done. <laughs> it's like a microwave. <laughs> They're like sell it. They were hot in my hand while I'm like writing on it. We didn't have a picture on them. I would just write Kristen Preston unordinary day and hand it to him for five bucks and and it was happening so fast I was taking the money and throwing it in a drawer I wouldn't even look and at the end of the night I would open up the drawer and it was just full of five dollar bills I mean just full and that stuff adds up quick when you're living on I can tell you,
1: when I waited tables, those $1 bills add up quick.
0: I mean, we needed that, you know? And then some nights I would work alone or Chris would work alone. We'd call each other, but do we sell any CDs tonight? Yeah, man, like three packs from Walgreens, you know? (laughs) 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 Like, we're selling packs, man. (laughs) That's how we judge how many we sold. That's so funny, dude. Yeah. And so uh, so we're selling pictures, we're selling CDs. And then DreamWorks calls and says, we want to sign you guys. And so we go to DreamWorks. Did you have a name at this point? Chris and Oh, good. Okay. All right. <laughs> so we go to DreamWorks, and we sit down with them. And James Stroud was the head of the label. And we were so nervous the night before, we learned nine songs to be ready to audition. Because we didn't know what to expect. We didn't have a demo other than this one song. So we go to DreamWorks, and we walk into the office. And, uh, and the general manager of the whole label says, you know what? I've seen enough. I was at the Wild Horse the other night. I saw it. I'm ready to sign you guys. And I was like, well, can we sing for you? Because we worked up some songs. (laughs) It's the opposite of what happens in every room ever. I know, right? And so I said, um, it was a guy named Wayne Halper. And I said, uh, can we sing a song for you? Because we worked a song up and we're kind of proud of this. We're ready for this moment. We set up all night. And he says, no, I don't need you to sing a song. I've seen enough and we'll take this in and we'll, we'll, you know, find some songs for you guys and we'll make this happen. I said, Wayne, uh, we'd really like to sing for you. And so he's like, and he looks at our manager at the time, he says, I would highly advise they don't sing right now because they could mess this up, right. actually. And so she was like, I I say let them sing. They, they're they determined. They want to sing. So we sang like five songs. <laughs> and he listened to all of them, and he still gave us a record deal. <laughs> and it was awesome. And uh, But then Steven Spielberg sold uh, DreamWorks before we could ever get in the studio. So, okay, did you come up with the name... Then, though? No, it was just a little bit after that deal. uh, We lost our deal with DreamWorks, and uh, it was like Tracy Lawrence, Shalee Tennyson, Emerson Drive, all of us got cut the same day. And we were like, okay, that's all right. We'll just go get another record deal. We're just going to go do this again. But it wasn't that easy the second time around. And uh, we were knocking on doors, and we were begging, and working hard and doing showcases and all that, and it just wasn't working. So that's when we realized we needed to pack our bags, pack up the cheap Cherokee, and put the U-Haul on the back and just go do shows and, and just go play and and learn, yeah, how to how to be a duo. So and you go you go play. Are you Chris
1: and Pr- I? I'm so enamored with it. With so, when the name, came, how, who came up with the name and when it came
0: out? Okay, so back in the day in Kokomo, Indiana, where I'm from, it was uh, me and my high school buddies. We had this thing called Low Cash Money Boys, and um, we call ourselves LCMB, Low Cash Money Boys. And, and you had to be like initiated. You had to get a nickname. And it was like a little fraternity, high school fraternity. And we, uh, low cash was kind of a figure of speech. If you could, because none of us had very much money. So if something really cool would happen, we'd be like, that was so low cash. <laughs> high 5 and We'd be like, that's awesome. And so that's how low cash kind of came to be. So I, I, while we're out in my Jeep Cherokee with the U-Haul, I tell Chris, I said, man, you know, up in Kokomo, I want you to meet my buddies when we, when we play Kokomo. He says, okay. So he meets everybody and he says, um. Uh these guys are pretty cool. This is a pretty cool little crew of, of dudes. And I said, Yeah, you should be in the low cash family with us. We'll give you a nickname, everything. So we give him a nickname and everything. Chris says, he is the, the you know the light bulb. He's like, We should be the country boys of low cash. And I was like, because the meaning is just never forgetting where you're from. It's not about being poor. It's about cool stuff happening for next to nothing. Best things in life are free, kind of attitude. So Chris says, we should be country boys, low cash. And I was like, I love that. So then we were like, let's just be low cash cowboys. And we came back to Nashville and we told our management, we were like, we got a name. We're going to call ourselves low cash cowboys. And they were like, that will never work. <laughs> <laughs> and we we're like, okay, well then that's it. We're going with low cash cowboys. If you say it'll never work, at least it's polarizing. It's making you feel something right now. So we're going to go with it. And so we did.
1: So Man. you're low-cash cowboys, and you don't have a deal at this point? No. Okay, so
0: when did the next deal, and what was the first song that you guys tried to hit with? Here Comes Summer okay. was the very first song that ever came out, 2010, and, uh, and it raced up to like 40. Water, this is it. Come on. Here the girls. Drive out to the lake Day after every loving day after day
1: Here comes summer So you put this out, where does it
0: end? Where does it, where does it fall on the chart? 41 41 41 in 10 weeks And you felt how about that? We were, we were so excited I mean, getting to 41 in 10 weeks Is unheard of these days And we were like, this is all, Unless you're a superstar artist And we were like, this is it It's gonna happen and Here comes summer's going up the charts and the uh, next thing you know, the record label decided to put out another act. They started feeling you know, like, oh, this is going so well. We'll put out another act. Which took and a lot of focus from you guys. Messed everything up. Who was the other act? Uh, it was an act called Houston County. So they never did anything. I love those guys. They were from Houston County, Alabama. They're now a Little Big
1: Town. They changed their name, <laughs> too.
0: <laughs> yeah. So when did it go from, and why
1: did you drop Cowboy? Because when I heard of L'Occash Cowboys, I thought of Real Cowboys. Yeah. And you guys aren't real you're, – no. you're not Cowboys. No. So when did it go from we need to pull the Cowboys off
0: our name? You know, we were uh, – we had just gotten a new record deal with Reviver Records, the guy you met. And I, we knew I Love This Life was going to be the single. We And um, we just did a photo shoot, and we are feeling good about, like, everything. It's, it's new energy, new everything. And so I was sitting in the front lounge of the bus, and I was doodling – and I'm a little bit of a graffiti artist. And so I was just kind of messing on a napkin with a Sharpie messing around. And I always liked the ZZ Top uh, logo. And Chris liked that too. So like the, on top of each other, the letters, yeah, on top like just really cool rock right. and roll looking stuff. And I looked at Van Halen and I looked at Motley Crue and I'm looking at all these other stuff that had a lot of energy and was really slick and smooth and fun. And I was like, that, man, the ZZ Top thing is pretty cool. And so I sort of started working on a new logo, and I just had done low cash. I didn't even put Cowboys on there yet. And Chris wakes up, walks up to the front lounge. He goes, well, what are you doing? I said, yeah, I'm just kind of working up that new logo like we talked about. And he was like, dude, I love it just like that. Don't even put Cowboys on there. And I was like, really? And so we were kind of like like a logo for a ball cap or something. We're like, "We'll just leave it at this. So we turned it in, and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, you changed your name and we're like not re- i mean kind, not really kinda <laughs> i don't know did we because we just turned in a new logo you tell us. <laughs> i know like is this is this something you want to have if in? you like it we did and if <laughs> yeah, you don't we didn't that's how it was and they were like we love it we're just going to go with this it's just low cash and we're like okay and so we went with low cash and everything just sort of lined up i mean everything just worked how long have you and Chris been together from the day you met him at the wild horse 2002 Holy crap. Yeah, I met him in 2002. So, and I know Two you, weeks after I moved to town. I was 12. There, yeah. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> I know that there were times in your
1: career where as a band you guys thought, okay, well, we're not going to be able to do this anymore. And I mean, there highs and lows over that period of time.
0: 2011.
1: In two, in two, that was the year it comes right 2011. to What 2011. That's when what happened?
0: January. Um, keep in mind, it's going up the chart. I don't even know where we were in January, but we were make, making a really strong move. Keep in mind, and um, all of a sudden, in January, Chris's dad passed away suddenly. I mean, suddenly. No uh, no signs of it happening, and um, it just happened, and it devastated Chris, devastated both of us, Dev- devastated our whole team, our whole camp. I mean, I remember going to the funeral in Baltimore, and our record label showed up, and I mean, it just really hit us hard. And because, you know, um Jack was Chris's dad and he was Chris's, you know, best friend, biggest fan. And he was like a dad to me, too, you know. So all of a sudden we're singing this song. Keep in mind, it's climbing the charts and we lose Jack. And then two weeks later, literally almost to the day, uh Chris's aunt, who's a big supporter, a big fan of ours, the sweetest woman in the world, passes away suddenly. And we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's happening, you know, and then a few weeks after that, the record label shuts down and we lose keep in mind at 32 on the charts. And we're like, okay, a song is not even nearly equal to a life, but it, it all of a sudden it's just lost hit after hit is coming. And it's Chris's dad, then his aunt, then the song, and we're and then all of a sudden the label shuts down and we're stuck. I mean, if you if you think it's hard to get a record deal, try to get out of a record deal. That's that's twice as hard. And so we're sitting here going, okay, we're stuck on a label. We lost our song. Two very close loved ones. And then our fiddle player gets sick. And we just continue to do shows. We're trying to stay positive. And our fiddle player gets sick. And he dies. He passes away. And... He'd been with us years. And so now the hits are just, they're starting to pile up on us. And it just seems like I remember feeling like it was as dark as it could get. Like, this is it. Like, we've, we've hit the wall. I mean, our wheels are spinning. We're just sinking in this one spot. And we can't get out. Like, we're just going to have to throw the towel in. We're, and that's kind of what's on our mind, but nobody's saying it. Chris and I are looking at each other, like, what are we going to do? And uh, I guess around well, in the fall of that year, uh, we get a phone call, and it's Keith Urban. And he says, Guys, the song you wrote called uh, You Gonna Fly, I'm going to make it my next single. And uh, the that changed street, our life.
1: I mean, even the song, what the song's about, dude. Again,
0: there's it, not a day I don't think about it.
1: As I, and it's awesome. Keith Urban picks a song and mm-hmm. goes, "Hey, you guys, let's." Yeah. But again, what the freaking song?
0: The message. Yes. Everything. I mean, it was like, it blows my mind to this day when I think about it, and and how Keith Urban. I remember being at the Wild Horse and being the DJ and playing songs like, you know, "Love Someone Like You" and. Uh, all these huge hits. And I remember thinking, what is, how do you even get a Keith Urban cut? Like, how does that even happen? Like, will it ever happen? I doubt it. Like, but I'm here to try, you know? But you're like, it seems so out of reach. And then all of a sudden, in that moment, that's when it happens. And I have to pinch myself to this day. I mean, he saved us, he got us back on track.
1: So, how does he hear your song, though?
0: You know, it's still a bit of a mystery. Um, we, we, I'll tell you, <laughs> we wrote You Gonna Fly with Jaron Johnston from, from, from Cadillac 3. 3 yeah. And uh, it's the only song we've ever written together. And to this day, Jaron, we need to write more songs. Um, but we write this song, we turn it in, and we get a phone call from Sony ATV. We're all signed to Sony ATV as songwriters. And um, they said, but we love this song you turned in called You Gonna Fly. And we think it's going to be a single for someone. We're like, somebody's going to record our song. They're like, yeah, Jimmy Wayne. And I was like, oh, my gosh. He just had that song, uh, Do You Believe Me Now, just went number one. And Jimmy was awesome. And we were like, this is great. We're all high five. we got a Jimmy Wayne cut coming. He's going to maybe make it a single. And um, I'm not even supposed to talk about all this, but it's years past now, so I don't care. So we get this phone call one night. And it's the president, the head guy of Sony ATV Publishing, Troy Tomlinson, says, I need to see you in my office tonight. And I'm like, okay, we're in trouble. We did something wrong. And because you're supposed to write so many songs as a quota. And I'm like, Chris, have you been turning songs in? And he's like, um, only the songs you probably turned in. And I'm like, I haven't turned that many in. I've been kind of stacking them up for us. We're, we're going to turn them all in once. Like, okay, we're in trouble. Like, we haven't turned enough songs. That's why he wants to meet with us. Sort of like freaking out. I said, Chris, let me do all the talk when we walk in here. So we sit down with him and he says, guys, do you know why you're here? And I was like, before you say anything, Troy, we have a bunch of songs written and I promise we're going to turn them in. And he's like, that's not why I have you here. And I was like, (laughs) I'm just joking, Troy. I was just joking, man. That's nothing. Why do you want to talk tonight? You know? And he says, uh, he says, what I want to talk to you about is something very rare. And it's funny that you brought this up earlier in the show about, do you take a song from, you know, artist A and give it to artist B? And so he says, never do we normally do this, but we have a unique situation. Jimmy Wayne has your song on hold and he's, Possibly going to make it a single, but we just got a phone call tonight from a very high level artist that they really want this song. They didn't know who it was then. You didn't know? Okay. And they're like, they're willing to record it immediately to prove to you that they love this song and they want it now. And at Sony ATV, we're making the decision for you. We're going to take it from artist A and give it to artist B. And I was like, I mean, my breath kind of got taken because I was like, this has got to be somebody really big because I'm over here partying about Jimmy Wayne, you know? And I'm like, and he says, who do you think it could be? And Chris and I, I remember it got real quiet. And I was like, man, Alan Jackson maybe? I mean, maybe Tim McGraw? I mean, I'm running these down. I was like, no way, no way. And I actually said out loud, I said, I, Chris or me, one of us said Keith Urban, we're like, "No, Keith writes all of his own hits." And when he said it's Keith Urban, I'll never forget just like looking at him confused, like, "Are you serious?" And um, man, it was Keith Urban.
1: Now Keith Urban cuts it,
0: but it takes a while, dude. It took he he likes the song two thousand nine. He says so. Troy says. If you want him to go in the studio right now, he will. He'll record it right now. But he's not going in the studio for a while. So it's up to you. We could just put it on hold and leave it on hold until he's ready. We were like, yeah, let's just leave it on hold and let's just see what happens. But uh, yeah, we'll just we'll just trust him. He says, okay. That's April of 2009-ish, right in there. So 2010 rolls around. Still hasn't cut it. 2011 rolls around. Still hasn't really cut it. Uh, and we're going, what's happening? And then the flood hits. He's supposed to go in the studio. Sony calls and says, he's going to the studio to record your song. We're like, awesome. And they are like, it's going to be on one of three days. He's recording his whole album in three days. So the first day, he starts recording and it starts raining. And we're like, nothing at the end of the day. You're supposed to get a phone call. And they're like, nothing. He didn't record it. And we're like, okay, okay. It's maybe tomorrow. So the next day. It's raining harder, St- and literally raining outside in Nashville harder and harder, and he doesn't cut it, and they're like, okay, he's going to cut it on day three, but now the storm is getting out of control in Nashville, and what I'm talking about is the flood that hit, and the flood hit so hard that night, they canceled the third day, and I was like, that's it, guys. We lost it. We're never going to get the song cut because he's, he's going to hear another song that's going to be better, and uh who knows how long it's gonna take before he goes back in again and i just don't think we're gonna get it now and it just seemed like the luck of 2011 you know it was just like the hits just kept on coming that year you know and uh all of a sudden out of the blue i got a phone call one day and we're like he just cut it where i i was just like i was driving now
1: where where did he cut it
0: In the studio. Really? He just wanted to cut it. Didn't even tell anybody. So went in and cut the song. Was it the first single from the record? It was supposed to be. Oh. And so he was like, it's gonna be Right? It was supposed to be the first single. And we're like, we got the first single. And then they took it away. And they went with Put You in a Song. And um we didn't even know if we were gonna get a single. And then the second single came out and it was Without You. Awesome song. And they're like Uh, Maybe you have the third single. And then the third single comes out, and it's long, hot summer. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. guys, I don't think we got it. But Keith kept reassuring everybody through emails. He would send these emails, and he would say, guys, it's going to be a single. It's going to be a single. He he was the steadfast guy in all of it. And uh, sure enough, we got the fourth single. And, man, I mean, what a – it was like game seven, rain delay. Here we go. You know what big things happen? It just takes a while for you guys. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it was so nerve-wracking, but we got it. And then four months after that, we got Truck Yeah
1: which with Tim. you guys wrote with? Chris Jansen. Chris Jansen. Dude, the whole, the whole world is just like... Truck, yeah, I want to get it jacked up. Yeah, let's it on up.
0: Yeah.
1: I saw you guys on stage on Instagram,
0: and it was... You two and Chris, I guess you guys just played together somewhere? Yeah, we were doing shows in Jacksonville at the same time, but different parts of town. And he texted, and he goes, are you guys over at Mavericks? And we're like, yeah, are you over at the fair? And he was like, yeah. And so he said, you guys should come over here. And so we literally grabbed a car and and drove over to the fair and jumped on stage with him and sang with him a couple songs. So what songs have you guys written together with, with Jansen? You wrote Truck Yeah. Truck Yeah. We had... Um, we had I Love This Life. Um about sixty more nobody's ever heard. What, I mean, what songs what songs have we heard though? Bunch of stuff. Uh Chris and I have a song called Um Back in the Day on Parmalee's record. The old record, it's it's uh not the new one. Um and then we have a Joe Nichols song that he just cut. Really? Called I'd Sing About You. And it's to me it's a smash. I I hope Joe's listening and makes it a single. But if he doesn't we will. You take it back and do it again. If, you, if, it, if he doesn't make this single,
1: That's what Passley was in here. And, you know, Passley, the songwriter, he wrote yeah. all these hits first. Amazing. And his whole thing was he got three and he never had any. And they got three in one year. It was like, boom. Yeah. And then he got that triple play award and he was like, yeah. I had nothing forever. And then it was like, boom, boom, boom. And so for him, he wrote Friday Night and Lady Annabelle and picked it up. And they kept saying, we're going to put it as a single. They never yeah. did. He said, can I have it back? Got his own song back. Number one. Boom! So that's it's great. That's cool. So, what yeah. of all the songs you guys have written? What's the most lucrative one for you guys so far?
0: I would say uh, probably "I Love This Life." Really? Yeah, because that's the one that changed. Um, that's the one that changed our show guarantee as You're well. Pouring money, too. everything yeah. changed. Merchandise, yeah. Uh, life, like I said, whenever I look at you and I say, it "Changed our life," changed our life in every respect.
1: You're able to. That's a good T-shirt too. I love this life. Yeah. I mean, it really is. I mean, you have to think about that stuff too. That's a good t shirt. Yeah, and I too. look at
0: this store called Life is Good, and they sell all this product, and I'm like, maybe we should have I Love This Life t shirts in Life is Good or something, yeah. you know? Or so, I mean, this, the opportunities are endless. Congratulations, man. Thanks, dude.
1: And uh, tell Chris, one day I'm going to get another microphone. We're both going to get in here. <laughs> Chris, I hope you know, it's just the the, the story of, and it's on a on a much bigger level, but I was talking about. Uh, Marin Morris, who I've become mm-hmm. close with. Um, and it just it's one of those that I was like, wow, so good. And she was talking, and I forgot I did this, but I had her on the air playing before you could even buy her songs, which is kind yeah. of a weird thing to do because you come on the air to sell your songs. Yeah. But I was like, you have to just come play. And she had reminded me of it. She was like, hey, you were having me up before you could even buy my music. But mm-hmm. So I'm such a big Marin Morris fan and didn't know her that well at first. I don't let the relationships really culminate personally because I just don't want to yeah. be invested in a personal level. Mm-hmm. I like to just present and say, "Hey," and that's smart. I and mean, here's here's yeah. the thing. So with Marin, she got up when she won the CMAs, and I watched the speech back, and she said, "One year ago, I was watching this at a bar across the street, and tonight I'm up here on stage winning this award. You got to be freaking kidding me! I can't even imagine." So, but you can because this is what I'm going to say. Marin is a microcosm. Of low cash, mm-hmm. because it's this look where you are you just had a number one before it's, that you had a number two you're now you're out, you guys are real now it's it's, it's hard to be feeling. real, yeah. and you started and you went from teaching line dancing through struggles, yeah, ups, downs, ups, downs, and here you are today uh. 12, 13, 8. I don't know. I don't, I, mean, I don't do math. When did you guys meet? 02? Oh, two? Oh, 02. I don't 14 even 14 do years <laughs> later. So, oh, and cash. like Mike here, who's producing the show. Mike lost over 100 pounds because. That's amazing. The same thing with Maren. Like, you just take a step. You take another step. You take, like low cash, take another step. Keep taking steps. And when you can't take any more steps, take another freaking yeah. step.
0: Yeah, and there's always tomorrow. The phone could ring and change everything. I lived it. I was in my bunk when Chris shook me and said, dude, Bobby Bones just played our song. And I, I mean, those kinds of moments, I'm telling you, dude, I mean, it's it's real. The day
1: that they sat me down, and I had built my own company with uh, in Austin, and I did it with my own paycheck, and I was broke, like we all are in any creative business, you're broke until you're not, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. And so broke and taken, invested all my own money into building this thing. And instead started to have a pretty successful run. Mm -hmm. And it was doing no music. We weren't playing any music, it was a weird thing. And so we were just an all talk show for five hours. And I'd been talking to Rod, the guy who runs Iron Country. He was like, man, I really want to do country. But there's no national, there's nothing national about the format. There never Mm -hmm. was. I was the first guy to come in and do a national. And he was like, Man, I think this could work. He was the first one to tell me, like, what you want to do can work. And so I remember that was a year before they flew me to Nashville, tricked me. They were like, hey, you're coming in to meet these guys because your top 40 shows picking up. Really? And they sat me down and go, we want you to move to Nashville and run the whole format. And I remember that moment, th- yeah. that moment where I was like, oh, my God. That's massive. Like, you're serious? They're like, this has never happened before? you're way different. People it's going to be a struggle cuz you're way different than anybody yeah. that's ever done this and people are going to hate you for a long time. And you're also pretty polarizing so you obviously know people are going to not you but they said this to me you obviously know people are never ever always going to be on you. Mm-hmm. But that you're the guy to take and take the format in the direction. That the people are already in just the radio's not in. And I was like I mean I remember the moment. I remember exactly where I was setting. I remember the whole it, Every person sitting around me, there were three of them. John Ivey from Kiss time. FM, yeah. Rod Phillips, Clay Honeycutt, who used to be the head of the thing, of the format. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, that. I had no idea that day, that moment was about to come. And boom, there was that moment.
0: And it freezes in your mind. You remember all the details Vivid, of that vi- moment.
1: I don't know what I had for breakfast this morning, but vividly, I can tell you right. four years ago mm-hmm. when they said this. Yeah. So, dude, this has been one of the, and I, we do these a lot. Uh, Mike, have I ever told anyone this is like one of the best ones you've ever done? No, no, never. Oh, thanks. This has man. been one of the best ones. Like
0: I've, this has been. I mean, the, you. Thanks for pulling up all this music.
1: Oh, dude, we got like.
0: That means so much. You want? you want best seat in the house? What, <laughs> what, what <you> <laughs> we wrote this about Chris's dad. <laughs> we we're at the Grand Ole Opry. And uh, for the very first time and we made our debut and we walked off stage we lost his dad in January and it was May it was Mother's Day weekend and uh, our moms were there and they gave our moms roses and stuff it was real special and we walked off stage and we were taking a picture with the Gatlin brothers and and it's like surreal here we are at the Opry and uh, Chris isn't in the picture And I said, wait, 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 we can't take this picture without Chris. I've got to go. I know it's Larry Gatlin. I've got to go find Chris. So I look over, and I see Chris in the shadows. And I walked over to him, and I said, hey, what's going on? And he kind of had tears in his eyes. And he said, man, tonight was perfect. But it wasn't perfect, perfect, because my dad's not here. And for whatever reason, I just looked at him, and I said, your dad is here, dude. He's got the best seat in the house tonight. He's, He's right there looking down over the Opry. He saw everything. And we just kind of looked at each other and we were like, maybe this is a song. So we wrote it. And who knows, maybe it'll come back someday. Dude, that's crazy. Crazy. Like like three times you
1: got me emotional during this thing. I don't even have emotions, and you got me emotional. <laughs>
0: Dude, chase a little love. Yeah. This is a jam. I like when people say their own song for the jam. That's our favorite thing, to This is a yeah. jam, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love this song. It was such a fun video too. We had our cars in it. You know, we got Kendra Wilkinson and Girls Next Door to yeah. be in our video. Really? Wow.
1: Was she uh, Kendra before Hank and Kendra like to party It was Kendra, Kendra with
0: Hank. Oh, okay. And he's awesome. And he uh, wasn't there, but he called and like speak for him. He's like, all right, boys, now don't put your hands on my girl now. <laughs> <laughs> he was a really cool dude. That was fun. Oh, yeah, dude, we're ready for you. This is incredible.
1: We're ready for it. Alright, Preston from Low Cash, new song. Put a
0: ring on every
1: finger. Ring on every finger.
0: I can't wait to see what you really think about the song. Yeah, cause
1: I don't know yet. Yeah, you get won't marry you a
0: million times. Put a ring on every finger, just to show the whole world that's your mind. Thanks for hanging, dude. Thank you. Appreciate that. It's what you, a great night. What do you guys have going on this week? Anything? Well, we just got home from Baltimore from that thing, so we have today and tomorrow, and then we leave tomorrow at midnight for Pittsburgh, Columbus, and Cincy.
1: Which, by the way, and we won't go into the story here, because I think it's maybe the long... How long we at, Mike? Almost an hour and a half. Okay. Um, You did propose... You proposed to your wife on the
0: opera stage? I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah in the circle right there. And, uh, and I don't know how I got the words right, but I kind of thought up in my mind, I said, Okay, how am I going to do this? What am I going to say? I'm going to have a microphone in one hand. I'm going to have a ring in the other. It's like in my pocket. I don't have the box. I just have the ring in my pocket. And I'm like, what am I going to say? And I thought of this thing like, you know, like um, I brought her out. She stepped into the circle. And, and I told Chris, I said, I might or might not do it here. I'm not sure. And so he stepped out the Were there people the there? Yeah. Oh, it was it was the real like. Sold out. Okay. And I always forget how many people are there yeah. until they kind of flip the lights on and off. And then you see like 10 million people. And I, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm nervous. I never get nervous. And I'm nervous because I'm about to do something I've never done in my life. And I hit my knee and I just said, you know, standing in the most coveted circle in country music, I want to give you the most coveted circle. Dang, and as a ring. songwriter. <laughs> Dang. And I thought I would mix all those words up and get them wrong, but they came out right. I got and your
1: circle for your songs, <laughs> the that circle.
0: <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Woo. And that I was nervous. Man, and now you got a little
1: kid. Things right. are, Every
0: time I see that thing, it's going like a weed. Yeah, and we just put an offer on a house, the first house we've ever lived in. Really? I mean, I've never lived in a house in my life other than my house I grew up in, you know. It's always been apartments and little places, yeah. and so it's it's we're excited,
1: dude. Happy for you. Thanks Thank for hanging with us. Thank idea. you, man. Well, there you go, Preston from Low Cash, Mike. are mm. probably at time, huh? Mike, yeah. This 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 honestly, I, sometimes I'll cut them early. Sometimes I'll let them go. This is the longest we've ever done. For really, and that's a good thing that's good. like getting asked to play a second song on the morning show because <laughs> sometimes artists that come in and will be like alright have a good night good yeah. day yeah. Uh, appreciate the time thank, thank you, thank you very this much. this means hey, a lot
0: that you've done this
1: check out Fighter uh, Low Cash lots, lots of stories here holy cow and we'll see you uh, I'll see you guys next time hey don't forget right now it's on the Bobby Bone Show On Demand channel but it will all be moved to BobbyCast in just a couple episodes so uh, iHeartRadio search BobbyCast alright thank you guys we'll see you next time